Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. What a day it is here on Football Full Circle. We have arrived. We have made it. It is the final day of the college football offseason. Tomorrow, Saturday, August 27th, starts week zero of the 2022 college football campaign. A full-blown week zero breakdown of the entirety of that Saturday slate is coming your way later on FFC. I am Ben Stevens alongside the mastermind of the pigskin, he is Joe Lisi. I hope you can tell the enthusiasm in my voice. I know my co-host Joe Lisi feels the exact same way. Oh, this is what it is. We are here. We are at the final stretch run for the NFL preseason. And more importantly, as you know, college football. It is here finally. Both seasons combining. It doesn't get better than this, Ben. This is what it's all about. I cannot wait to watch these preseason games this weekend. But more importantly, see college football kick off on Saturday. Let's wet the beak a little bit, right? Let's satisfy the appetite with four preseason games in the National Football League on this Friday. An apertise, if you will, uh, Lisi, hors d'oeuvres for the college football week zero Saturday slate. We saw two preseason games in the final week of the preseason in the National Football League yesterday. In Kansas City, the Chiefs take care of business against the Packers. They win 17-10. And Lisi, where we will begin, the Houston Texans cap off a perfect preseason, unbeaten 3-0 as we predicted on Football Full Circle yesterday. Maybe a team in the regular season that wouldn't even sniff what the Niners could possibly do, but Houston shuts out San Francisco at home 17 to nothing. It might be the last time we actively seek out betting on the Texans as a Moneyline underdog, Lisi, but it came our way yesterday, closing as a two-and-a-half point dog and again winning 17-zip over San Francisco. Yeah, and it was Davis Mills, right, threw a touchdown, threw for 58 yards, and we talked about the unders, too, coming out in the last preseason game. Once a team established a lead like Houston did, it was basically run the football in the second half of the matchup and just get out of dodge. The former Indianapolis Colt, Marlon Mack, had a big night, 10 carries, 55 yards, and does this team even get to three wins in the regular season is the bigger question, right? They're right there around four, four and a half. We know they have no offensive identity outside their quarterback. Can they establish the run game? Because if they can, potentially, maybe they can get over four wins, but I just don't see it. They're, to me, a bet against team with Lovey Smith in his first year at the helm. 
Maybe we take them with large spreads, Lisey, because again, last year, booked as an underdog was Houston in 16 of the 17 regular season games, and it was David Culley as the head man in Houston, but still the Texans profitable as a underdog. They covered in eight of those 16 games, eight and eight against the spread as an underdog, four times as a double-digit dog, Lisey. Obviously not expected to win those games outright, but keeping them close enough. I love that you brought up Damian Pierce as well. He has been sensational this preseason season for Houston and we saw that again last night early and often six carries 37 yards a touchdown the first score of the game and Houston wins 17 nothing we also saw Trey Lance yesterday Lisey out there for the first two possessions for San Francisco 7 of 11 49 yards what would you put your level of optimism Lisey for Trey Lance in 2022 on a scale of 1 to 10 how good do you think Trey Lance can be this season uh, again, if he put it this way, if he throws for over yeah. 25 touchdown passes or even over 23 in that area, I would be impressed. I, I'm just not overly impressed with his game at this point in his career. I don't think he's Pat Mahomes yeah. in terms of Pat Mahomes taking over the Kansas City Chiefs in year number two after he uh, sat on the sidelines. I just don't see that in terms of the reads and progressions. And he was a raw quarterback in college. He struggled last year in six games, 57% completion percentage. And now the pressure's on. This team is built from an offensive line and defensive line perspective to compete for a playoff spot. If they do not get there, it's because of Trey Lance. It's on nobody else but Trey Lance because the physicality of the rushing game. We know they're going to be able to run the football. Now he's in there because they want chunk plays, explosive plays over the top. If he can't deliver that, this team is going to be disappointing. And more importantly, his career might get off to the wrong start in San Francisco. Lisey, I was ready to fade San Francisco this year. I thought the fact the Niners had a nine-and-a-half win total with a second-year quarterback who only played in six games last year in his rookie year, who I do not think San Francisco should have traded up to number three in the 2021 NFL draft to get. I was ready to fade them. I thought the nine-and-a-half was too high. I thought minus 225 to make the postseason. That was ridiculous. And that was before Debo Samuel signed his contract extension, putting to bed any of those ideas that Debo Samuel himself asked for a trade from the 49ers. But now I'm kind of turning around on how I feel about San Francisco. I just believe in Kyle Shanahan. I believe in his offensive mind. I believe he will put Trey Lance in necessary spots to have success. And there is so much talent up and down the roster offensively, defensively, that I believe San Francisco will be a playoff team without a doubt in 2022. And again, this is a San Francisco 49ers team that made the Super Bowl three years ago, Super Bowl 54 with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback, made the NFC Championship game. A Jaworski tart interception would have probably sent them in three years. And all of this was not because of Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't think it was in spite of Jimmy G either. So I think the Niners should have a positive outlook entering this season. If Trey Lance could be anywhere close to what Jimmy G was, I think they'll be just fine and probably win double-digit games. More from the NFL preseason, the final week of it, up next here on Football Full Circle. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or... 
get goofy officially, step up like a boss and save the day, or see what life's like under the tree of life. Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We are back on Football Full Circle. It is a glorious day to be talking football here on FFC on the Sports Grid Radio Network. The finale of the preseason, week number three, four games tonight, two games yesterday, more on Saturday, even Sun Joe Lisi on a Sunday. But the real celebration is college football. Week zero, the Saturday slate starts tomorrow. We'll get you through that entire slate here in just a little bit. Lisi, let's continue our talk about the NFL preseason. The week three of games last night in Arrowhead, Kansas City and Green Bay. The Chiefs were a one and a half point home underdog. They win outright by a final score of 17 to 10. Patrick Mahomes did not see any action last night, Lisey, but a very classy gesture, in my opinion, by the Chiefs. Len Dawson, the all-time great Kansas City Chief who passed away earlier this week, a Super Bowl MVP, a Super Bowl champion, a Hall of Famer, a legendary broadcast was iconic for his choir huddle where he would have his team lined up in front of him and he would speak to them directly. The Chiefs go out there with Patrick Mahomes to do that. He checks out of the game and we saw a lot of Chad Henney and a lot of Shane Bouchelle out there in the action. The Chiefs win 17-10, to Lacey, to cap off their preseason with a victory. Anything stand out to you last night in Arrowhead? Well, I think the offensive line played well last night, you know, and obviously some of those playmakers stepped up outside in terms of backup quarterback play. That's always big as well. And Shea Bouchelle thought he was back at SMU in Texas slinging the football yesterday. I mean, yep. unbelievable in terms of, you know, how he played. I I like Shane Bouchelle. You know, 166 yards, two touchdowns. You saw the running backs get involved as well. Rojo with 43 yards. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, the uh, Rutgers standout as well. He might make the team. Yep. In terms of his preseason, he could be used maybe in the return game or specials. That's always big. And then those wide receivers as well. So the more depth that you have for Kansas City can hurt from an offensive perspective. Outside of Mahomes and all the playmakers that they do have and Kelsey involved, you need some of those secondary wide receivers to step up because we know Hardeman's a little bit banged up. He might not be, let's say, 100%. That groin injury could always rear its head. So that's where you want to see depth, and I thought they played well defensively as well, losing the Honey Badger to New Orleans. That defense from a secondary perspective, those second and third teamers played very well against Jordan Love and the crew. 
I thought so as well. We'll get to Jordan Love in just a moment. But you mentioned a guy in Isaiah Pacheco who I love, of course, out of Rutgers, New Jersey's college football team. Isaiah Pacheco last night, Joe, 10 carries, 52 yards. It's a new-look backfield for Kansas City this year. Ronald Jones over from Tampa Bay, 8 carries, 43 yards yesterday. Those two backs, Joe, 18 rushes between the two of them for a combined 95 yards on the ground. I think they will both have a factor in KC's offense this upcoming season. And again, I remind everybody, please keep an eye on Isaiah Pacheco and his odds to win Offensive Rookie of the Year in the National Football League. 25-1 to at the moment. This is a guy that people in Kansas City, Joe, have absolutely raved about through training camp, through preseason. I think he becomes more and more and more of a contributor to that KC offense throughout the year. On the other side, though, Jordan Love last night, the lion's share of the game, 16 of 26, 148 through the air, and an interception. It's his fourth INT that he has thrown so far this preseason for the Green Bay Packers. Joe, have you seen anything in watching Jordan Love each of the past two preseasons that eventually when Aaron Rodgers calls it a day makes you think he's ready to be a starting quarterback in the National Football League? Yeah, I mean, experience always gives you that uh, ability, right? And he has looked okay. I mean, the biggest thing about Jordan Love and comparing him to Aaron Rodgers is anticipation. And Aaron Rodgers anticipates better than any other quarterback, even better than Pat Mahomes, in my opinion, in terms of ball placement and understanding where his wide receivers are going to be. He is so confident in his ability to fit the football into tight windows. That's what makes that offense lethal. Jordan Love, to me, still a little bit raw. You watch last night he tried to tuck it and run in some critical third down situations he's made some good throws but other times especially when the pressure's on he gets a little rattled still at this point that's what I need to see him stand in the pocket don't look to run and look to go through the progressions to the secondary and third wide receivers if he is going to be a potential starter in this league in the next year or so so that's what I need I think he's on the right path but right here right now it would be a significant drop off from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. Certainly so. We didn't see Aaron Rodgers at all throughout this preseason. He's 38. He's played in the NFL now for what will be his 18th year. We don't need to see Aaron Rodgers, number 12 in green, out there during the preseason. And they see both of these teams, KC and Green Bay, 10.5 for the win total. Heavily juiced for the Packers. Slight juice on the over for those Kansas City Chiefs. And two of the five best odds between these two teams of winning this upcoming Super Bowl, Super Bowl 57. The Chiefs, the third best price at 10 to 1. The Packers, the fifth best number at 12 to 1. Four games on this Friday, Lisi, in preseason football. The game that has my attention is Seattle on the road in Dallas. Of course, we know the Seahawks are still trying to figure out what is going to happen at that QB position in the battle and the competition between Drew Locke and Geno Smith. Geno Smith will get the start tonight. He has now started all three preseason games for Seattle, but we will see Drew Locke play the majority of the game, Joe, which is big for Drew Locke in this competition after missing last week, ruled out with COVID-19. Yeah, and that's why they're laying such a big number. And I, again, you know, I think this offense is more explosive with Drew Locke at the helm. I'm still buying into Seattle from an over perspective. And obviously, in terms of, you know, week number one, you want to give me an extra point against Dangerous, I'll take it at plus six and a half. But when you look at Dallas right now, they can't afford any more injuries, right? Tyrone Smith yep. goes down last yesterday, and that's going to affect the offensive line. You don't want to see any secondary players go down in this ballgame. They want 
to get out of Dodge. Forget about the W. That's not as important for Dallas. You want to make sure at least your second and third teamers that are contributors get in there play and get out. I, I think Seattle wins, but I think it's an under as well. I don't think we're going to see a lot of points. Maybe from a Seattle perspective, you bet it in terms of their total over their number, but I think Dallas yeah. is just going to utilize the offensive line in the second half of this ballgame. It's interesting to see a touchdown spread in the preseason, but it makes sense to see the Seahawks favored by that number. So far, Lisi, throughout this preseason, the numbers for both Drew Locke and Geno Smith are as such. Geno, of course, has played two games. He's 20 of 33, 213 passing yards. Drew Locke just the opener against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but looked really good. 11 of 15 for a buck 02 and two passing touchdowns. Another game, Lisi, that really catches my eye is the first one of this Friday evening slate for the NFL preseason week three action. Buffalo on the road, a six and a half point underdog. The reason I bring that up is because the Bills are fantastic in the preseason under Sean McDermott. We highlight Baltimore, rightfully so. An NFL record, 22 consecutive preseason wins that they just continuously add to. But Joe, under Sean McDermott, Buffalo is 12 and five straight up, a near 70% cover percentage in preseason games, and they're getting six and a half to Night against the Panthers. What's Carolina's motivation? We already know who the starting quarterback is for the Panthers this year. It's Baker Mayfield. So I don't care if Josh Allen's not playing. Give me the six and a hook with Buffalo. Yeah, I'm leaning to the Buffalo Bills in the matchup, but I'll take the over at 39.5. I, I think the mm. backup quarterback play, Case Keenum, you have Sam Darnold, you have P.J. Walker, all experienced pros. They're going to want to showcase what they can, right? So at the end of the day, I, I think this over is live. 39.5, it's juiced to the under, uh, over at minus yeah. 115. I think, listen, I think Buffalo can definitely be in this matchup. It seems a little fishy how good they are. They're catching a touchdown, but I'll take yeah. the points, but I really like the over here 39 and a half especially when you look at Matt Rule and you look at this offense he wants to establish winning as well and I think he needs to push tempo to get that offense hitting the ground week one over 39 and a hook Buffalo went over that total by themselves last week at home against Denver, scoring 42 points in a preseason game. The other two games that we have up tonight, the Saints and the Chargers, the Raiders and the Patriots, Las Vegas a two-point home favorite, New Orleans a three-point home favorite. A college football week zero preview is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
We are back on Football Full Circle, live right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Let's get into it. Week zero of the college football season is tomorrow. The start of the 2022 CFB campaign. We will run through the week zero slate for the remainder of this show, breaking down matchups, giving you our thoughts, our leans, our edges, wherever they might be out there in the marketplace. Lisi, of course, we must begin with the marquee matchup of the day. In Dublin, at Aviva Stadium, all eyes on Ireland for a Big Ten opener between Nebraska and Northwestern. And we have seen some movement on this spread early on this Friday morning. Nebraska now just an 11 and a half point favorite. Lisi, as we have checked in on this game a couple of times this week, the Huskers were a 13 and a half point favorite for most of this week leading up to kickoff. And as you know, Lisi, for most of this offseason, for most of this summer, once this line was made available, all of the movement has favored Nebraska. That line has only grown more and more in favor of the Cornhuskers. This is the first move back to Northwestern's side of things. How do you evaluate this market movement we're seeing here? Well, I mean, it's a public bet. Nebraska is a public team, just like, you know, Michigan and Ohio State, maybe not as public, but week one in this type of situation and environment with a coach on the hot seat like like Scott Frost, they, they bet it up from eight and a half all the way up to 13 and a half. We know in Vegas they got it up to 14 last night, and then smart money came in and, and hammered it down to 11 and a half. I will say this, a lot of perception and perspective on last year's game where they rushed for over 426 yards on that front seven of Northwestern, they beat them up 56 yep. to 7. I mean, the spread yep. in that game, I think, at that particular time was, you know, Nebraska was like a nine and a half, ten point favorite in that matchup. Right. I mean, they were laying it to Northwestern. And we talk statistically about how bad Northwestern was, not just defensively, right? Seven of 12 opponents rushed for over 200. They lost those games by 26.7 points per game. But the offense could not move the football, Ben. I mean, no matter yep. who was there, Hunter Johnson, Helinski, they could have put, you know, a kid off the street, a quarterback, they only threw it for a buck 77 per game. So that's the yeah. mindset. You know, if, if Nebraska starts fast, if the, all things being equal from last year, it's going to be a blowout. But, it, you know, you need them to start fast with a new scheme, right. a new coach. I don't like that situation. I'd rather take the points with Northwestern, which I already did at 13 and a half and 12 and a half. And if they somehow, some way, jump up early in a revenge spot, now you can always get Nebraska maybe under a touchdown and number right. one catch a middle, or maybe even get it at minus like 150 on a money line play. Lisi, the great thing about what you just pointed out right there is although the market has worked back against Nebraska, and you might be saying to yourself, well, I don't need to lay two touchdowns with Nebraska, you still kind of do. 11.5 is not a great number. That's a two-touchdown spread because a field goal and even a two-point conversion is only 11. Nebraska needs to win that game, obviously, by 12 or more points, but most of that would come from winning by two touchdowns. It's not like you now have a better number to dive back in on Nebraska if you missed the 9.5 just about a month and a half ago. So it's not a great number for Nebraska. And I'm glad you bring up that fast start for the Huskers. It is something they were not good at a season ago. They were 85th out of 130 FBS team, Joe, in Stur. 
in terms of first half scoring offense, only averaging 12.3 points per game in those opening two quarters. Again, bottom half of the country. Northwestern was abysmal by that metric. The fourth worst first half scoring offense, only averaging seven and a half points per game. We had Connor Happer, Joe, an Omaha Sports Talk radio host on the morning after earlier today. It's a guy that I've worked with when I lived in Omaha. I trust his evaluation. Always realistic when it comes to Nebraska. He expects because it's a new offensive scheme under new OC Mark Whipple for them to feel it out a little bit especially early on in Dublin a new environment. All of those things added into the equation. I think we go under that first half total of 26 in a hook. It's more than half of the total overall because that over under is 50 in a hook between Nebraska and Northwestern at this moment. So that's my play for the game. First half under 26 in a hook between Nebraska and Northwestern. Both teams don't really start off all that well. Yeah, I mean, you could see it. New offensive coordinator, the uh, the quarterback to wide receiver relationship. The game is played on a neutral field. Both quarterbacks got to get used to, obviously, the audibles and the acoustics in terms of the stadium. And that affects things. So we have to see this first quarter. You'll know within the first five minutes whether they're in sync or not, especially from an offensive line perspective. And I'm talking about Casey Thompson and Nebraska. And that's a great cap in terms of how you assess it. And I'll take it a yeah. step further. Everybody... You hear this terminology with the CLV and the line movement, and that is great. And I understand that aspect in terms of, you know, betting a good number. But I beg every sharp out there, to it's different than the NFL. Sports handicapping in terms of college to the NFL are completely two different things. Show me how many times you get a better line and it really matters in terms of college football. I guarantee you it's less than 15%. There are blowouts each way, 42-point underdogs that win the ball game out. Right. So getting the best numbers sometimes outside of the football aspect, that's part of the cap. You got to take both accounts in when it comes to college football and the inconsistency from week to week. We're talking about 18 to 22 year old kids, Ben. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point, Joe. There's key numbers in the NFL from a handicapping perspective. Three, the field goal, seven, the touchdown. It's not necessarily the same thing in college football. A couple of final points, Joe, that I'll make about Nebraska and Northwestern. Again, all tying back in to the slow starts for the Huskers because my biggest fear for Nebraska to start off year number five of the Scott Frost era, if they are going to do anything in terms of the optimism that has followed the Huskers this offseason, that win total at 7.5 despite being a three-win football team last year and in 2020, six combined wins in two years and their win total is 7.5 and And the second best price to win the Big Ten West at plus 350. Joe, if Nebraska is going to even get near that level of expectation, things have to go well tomorrow. And if they don't, then I'm getting a little bit worried, right? So if that first half stays under, and it's not Nebraska up at the break 21 zip, which keeps us under because Northwestern can't score, but it's 10-7, 10-3, 7-3. Nebraska up in those games. How tight do they get in the second half, and how scary of an endeavor might that be for Scott Frost and the Huskers, who Joe have shown us time and again as a favorite. They are not very good. Last year, Joe, 3-4, and not just against the spread, but straight up 
when booked as a favorite, including Week Zero last year on the road in Champaign against Illinois. A seven-point favorite in that game. Illinois won outright by eight points. That is my fear for Nebraska if they do, in fact, start slow tomorrow in Dublin. Yeah, and and that's the fear. You're absolutely right, because then it it creeps in. Can we do it as opposed to we can do it, right? You start the game out optimistic, we can do it, and then as this game goes on, it's almost like that bell curve. After you get over the pinnacle in terms of the the second quarter or the second half, you start to erode. The closer this game is and time starts to elapse, it's like, can we do it? And then that's where a new coaching staff start, or potentially not being there and not being unified, they start pointing fingers. Right, Everybody knows the pressure on Scott Frost. Trev Alberts kept him on specifically for this year. Dominic Riola has been a part of national championship teams. Right, Mark Whipple took his team to an ACC championship. So there are yep. expectations there. I agree with you. If I'm Nebraska I'm Scott Frost, I do not want to run the football early in this matchup. You know what I want to do? <clears throat> I want to unleash my new quarterback. I want to try and jump up 21 to nothing to just get the doubt out of Northwestern's mind that they can win this ball game and to instill confidence in, into my team. It's almost like the Mike Tyson 40-second knockout. I don't want yep. this game to get into the second quarter because then I'm going to start de- doubting the talent that I have around me. It's a great point. That should be the game script for Nebraska tomorrow. We'll see how well they execute it. And if that is the script they follow under new offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, please pay attention to Casey Thompson's passing yards prop for tomorrow. 230 and a hook. Last year at Texas went over that number four times. Each of those four overs at least 280 passing yards. But Nebraska North. Western Joe, not the only Big Ten teams in action tomorrow, Week Zero. Illinois hosts Wyoming in Champaign, and this line has gone bonkers in the last 48 hours or so. It was nine and a half earlier this week. Tommy DeVito was named the starter for the Illini yesterday. It's 13 and a half now, Joe. Illinois laying nearly two touchdowns against the Cowboys. Yeah, there's some news that probably we don't know about that, you know, short money thinks is going to affect this ball game. I don't buy it. I, both teams are exactly similar in terms of how they want to play. You look at Illinois, they're successful when they run the football. Last seven games of the year, they only average a buck 34 on the ground. Secondary, very good. They only gave up a buck 45 in the last seven games of the regular season, but I'm not sold on Tommy DeVito. We know he went to Syracuse. Your alma mater, he went to my high school. Yep. Struggled at Syracuse. He's a if the run game is effective. And on the back end, you have a Wyoming secondary that only allowed 100 nine passing yards per game. They rush for over 211 on the ground with Titus Swen, their big play running back. They have an experienced signal caller in Andrew Peasley that comes over from Utah State. Listen, Illinois might win, but I don't think they win by two touchdowns. And coupled with the fact that they have a conference game on Friday night against Indiana, I'm not saying they're yeah. looking ahead in terms of week one, but do they showcase everything? That could always potentially be a backdoor cover in the fourth quarter. I'm on Wyoming. Anything over 10.5, they bet it down to 9 and half early in the week and immediately after DeVito was named they pushed it up I'm not buying it we know what Brett Bielema wants to do barge ball is the name of the game in Champagne. 57.4% of the plays last year for the Illini on the ground keep an eye on Chase Brown the outstanding running back for the Illini as well more from week zero a preview of the start of college football next 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We are back on Football Full Circle. It is the final day of the college football offseason. That's because week zero in the 2022 college football campaign starts tomorrow. Let's continue breaking down the week zero slate here on Football Full Circle with the mastermind of the college football pigskin, Joe Lisi. I am Ben Stevens. So, Lisi, we've gone through Nebraska, Northwestern, Wyoming, Illinois. Let's get to the battle of the U's. Utah State. And you con. Apparently, Jim Mora Jr. lives in a haunted house in stores on UConn's campus, as we saw in an ESPN story today. But he is trying to reinvigorate the spirit, pun intended, Joe, of a UConn football this upcoming season. They are a 26 and a half point underdog on the road against Utah State. Lisa, we talked about this game yesterday. The Aggies go on the road next week to Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama. They are already booked as a 39-and-a-half point underdog. How does week one in Tuscaloosa at Bear Bryant affect week zero for Utah State against UConn? Well, I mean, they were a team that we talked about. We're dominant on the road, Utah State. 8-0, got the bull win over Oregon State. Logan Bonner returns along with eight starters. And... Though they're not going to beat Alabama, they want to show well. They're going to they're going to be looking forward to that matchup, and Blake Anderson, I think, might save a little for that ball game. And again, we talked about it earlier. We know on paper Utah State is the more dominant team. They should win this ball game convincingly. UConn struggled last year, I think, against Fresno State, catching 30. They got blown out by Jake Hayner and Ron Rivers in that matchup on the road. So now you have a new regime. There's supposedly a lot of JUCO talent that can in flux in terms of elevating that defense supposedly for UConn. This line opened up at 27.5. I took it based off of the look ahead for Utah State. Again, I'm not expecting UConn to win this ball game in any capacity, but I am expecting them to play well with a new coaching staff and not knowing what to expect for Utah State in this ball game. I think that could be an advantage for the Huskies week number zero. 
and we'll see how that plays out tomorrow because both Joe and I are on the Aggies this year, at least Utah State in contention for a second consecutive Mountain West title. UConn was not a good football team last year, the seventh worst scoring defense in all of the country. That total tomorrow against Utah State is booked currently at 58 and a half. Joe, it's great to see some conference action in week zero. It's games that will have an impact. Of course, Northwestern and Nebraska in the hunt for a Big Ten West championship and a couple of CUSA clashes. Conference USA in the fold, Charlotte and Florida Atlantic, and then at your favorite setting in all of college football, the Sun Bowl in El Paso, North Texas and UTEP. Lisey, which game are you most looking forward to between those two options? I'm going to go to the Sun Bowl because, uh, like we've discussed, it's the largest sellout since the Sun Bowl between the Sun Devils and the Duke Blue Devils. And you get North Texas and the UTEP Miners, two teams that, you know, were, were hot. They made it to a bowl game. UTEP lost but covered against Fresno. North Texas got blown out by Miami O and Blaine Gabbard. So uh, at the end of the day, I think this is an intriguing matchup. It's a pick 'em game. You have Gavis Hardiston, the quarterback for UTEP, and you have on mm-hmm. the 29 year old single caller for North Texas. Both teams are very good in run support. UTEP only allowed a buck 35, North Texas 152, but I told you I lead yep. to North Texas the road team. I think they're the more complete team. I like their offense and defense lines a little bit better than Dana Dimmel's crew, but I'll say this. This total, to me, is intriguing. It's 54 and a half. Last year, North Texas mm. won 20 to 17 on a fast track with solid quarterback play. I'm going over the 54 and a half. That's one of my better bets for the week we see North Texas, one of the best cover teams in the country a season ago. 69.2% cover percentage, a 9-4 ATS record, including against UTEP. There was a span late in the year where North Texas covered in six straight to end out the season. North Texas is a very good football team in the mean green. I do believe, though, Lisey, that setting at the Sun Bowl in front of a sold-out crowd will have an impact. UTEP last year at home, 5-1 and one straight up, 4-2 and two against the number. The only straight-up loss for UTEP was against UTSA. It was not a great game against the Roadrunners, meet me, but... It was the only loss for UTEP at home a season ago. I think home field will mean something. At least that's what I'm talking myself into right now. And on that money line, I look to Texas El Paso. Even money plus 100. Charlotte and Florida Atlantic also going to be a good game. FAU Joe laying seven and a half. That game kicks off around 7 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow night. Right there in your evening window of CUSA matchups. How do you break down that one between the 49ers and the Owls. Yeah, we talked about it. Definitely check the forecast. 50% scattered thunderstorms. That can always affect the track in terms of Florida Atlantic and Boca Raton. But, you know, Nicosi Perry and Florida Atlantic dominated this matchup last year. However, I like Will Healy and Charlotte as a team. I like Will Healy. I'm not so much high on Willie Taggart in terms of FAU right now. So, when I look at this matchup, they're catching 7.5. Charlotte is. They have Chris Reynolds, one of the better quarterbacks in terms of the Conference USA. 20 
26 touchdowns, seven interceptions, yep. two of his top receivers that come back. We talk about the numbers, 113 total receptions, over 1,500 yards, and eight receptions in terms of touchdowns for both of his top two guys. There is an experience in the secondary. I always look to that as a part of a cap in terms of week one. When you have sophomores and redshirt freshmen that are playing, even though there might be seniors in that lineup, they have to read coverage. They have to break down formations. And when you have an elite passing attack like uh, Charlotte, they can exploit yep. that week one. We don't have to win the game. You just have to cover the seven and a half point number. But I think in a revenge spot for Charlotte on the road, I like Chris Reynolds and the crew. So I'm taking them already sitting on a seven and a half plus ticket. But I like them plus 240 on the money line as well to potentially strike the upset Saturday night. I like the look there, Lisey. Getting seven and a half on the road against FAU. Charlotte's pass defense also not great a season ago within the bottom 15 in the country in college football. It's always an interesting conversation, Joe, right? Based on last year's trends, last year's statistics, and what it's going to be for this upcoming season. Because with all of the turnover in college football, you need to know what the production was a season ago. What was the experience level? Who is going to get more experience this year and what amount of returning production from a percentage standpoint is going to be back for these teams, right? If they were young last year and they improved, then maybe those numbers that weren't so great last season could be good this year. It's always very interesting to do that handicapping early on, especially week zero in college football. We continue running through the slate, Joe. In one of the biggest games that we have seen from a market movement perspective, some of the biggest moves in the marketplace in New Mexico tomorrow. NMSU, New Mexico State, hosting Nevada. Now, the Wolfpack earlier this summer, Joe, more than a two-touchdown favorite. Now that line is just eight and a half in favor of Nevada. What do you make of that line movement we will see between New Mexico State and Nevada? Well, I, again, it's down from 14 and a half and two top coaches, right? Kevin Wilson for Nevada and Jerry Kill with New Mexico State. I don't know yeah. why they're betting on New Mexico State. I think it's a perception, uh, you know, type of play because of no Carson Strong and Romeo Dubs and the fact that obviously Norvell took, you know, five assistants with him in terms of Colorado State. But at the end of yeah. the day, I mean, you know, you look at the quarterback play for New Mexico State, they potentially are going with a redshirt freshman Fox. In, in this matchup, potentially, right? And you look at the flip side, Nate Cox for Nevada and Shane Ingleworth that are battling it out for uh, Nevada right now. Ingleworth was a backup at Oklahoma State that took over week one for against Tulsa when Spencer Sanders went down. He's a pretty good quarterback. Him and Nate Cox, I think, are an upgrade. So, you know what? I think Kevin Wilson is a better coach than Jerry Kill. Uh, I'll take my chances. I mean, right here, right now, laying the eight and a half, I still think Nevada is the better team in the interior, and I will lay it right now with the Wolfpack. And that is an interesting look right now because maybe we're getting a better number on Nevada. Not sure what all of that line movement was for a Nevada team, Lisi, that last year was a bowl team. 8-4-1 and one against the spread as well. So a really good performer against that 
number. New Mexico State last year booked as an underdog in 10 of their 12 games. The only games that they were booked as a favorite. Three and a half points against South Carolina State and against maybe the worst team in all of college football. That would be UMass. A touchdown favorite to end out their season and they won that game by 17 points. I'm not entirely sure all of the love for New Mexico State either, Joe. Last year, Nevada was a 28 and a half point home favorite against NMSU and they lost that game by 27 so they still covered but they lost that game by nearly four touchdowns I don't know maybe we're getting a good number on Nevada now at eight and a half the final game that we have a line for Lisi and there is our there are others that we can discuss certainly here to round out the show but it's a big one for you and I personally and it will be one of the more exciting ones we get to see off the mainland in the Hawaiian Islands the Rainbow Warriors of Hawaii hosting Vanderbilt. Now, Joe, Vandy was a two-win team last year. In the conference-only season back in 2020, Vandy did not win a single game, yet the Commodores are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite against Hawaii. Again, the line really only working in favor of Vandy. Nine-and-a-half points, Joe, for a team that has won two football games in the last two seasons. Might strike an interesting tone with certain betters. Make sense of it, though. Why is Vandy nearly a double-digit favorite? A couple of factors. New scheme with Timmy Chang, one starter on defense for the for the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, and, and there's only 9,000 fans for a home field uh, perspective, right? The Aloha Bowl yeah. was knocked down, so a new offense, new defensive scheme. Hawaii's offensive line allowed 39 sacks last year, even though they returned three starters back. It's a change from where Todd Graham had it. There's some uncertainty right. in terms of the quarterback perspective, and we're talking SEC lines, even though it's Vanderbilt versus, obviously, Hawaii. Uh, Hawaii, right, and the undersized type of players that have moved on now. 20 players moved on. Here's the thing. You know, everybody talks about the 12 games, week one, ATS for Hawaii, 11-1 overall. Vandy ended last year 4-0 against the number, and they played very good teams. Four bowl teams, Missouri, Kentucky, Ole Miss, and Tennessee, and their offense and defense, they played well. We talked about it. They held those four quarterbacks, Brady Cook, Hendon Hooker, Will Levis, and Matt Corral, 10 of 37 on third down conversions. That's 27%. They rushed for 228 on Ole Miss, one of the better rush defenses, and 98 on Kentucky. I think they're going to abuse them. I really do. I like Michael Wright as quarterback. He they, yep. And this team for Clark Lee got in there on Sunday night. It's all business for Vanderbilt. They believe they can win. They bet it up from 6.5 to 9.5. And you know what? I know they say it's a bad number, but I feel Vandy wins this by 14 or more. I hope so, Lisey, because I am optimistic about the Commodores as well. Over their small win total of two and a half, this needs to be one at least outright minus 360 now on that money line in favor of Vandy. We know of all of the incredible circumstances that Hawaii has had to respond to based on the disaster that was the short Todd Graham era. Only 28% of the roster is returning. In fact, Joe, the three least amount of returning production for college football entering this year, all in action tomorrow. Wyoming, only 35% of their team. Nevada, only 28% of their team. And Hawaii, only 28% as well. We wrap up the show up next on Sports Grid Radio. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Just a few more minutes on football full circle. Week zero of the college football season starts tomorrow. 24 hours from right now, we might be near the ending of the first quarter in Dublin between Nebraska and Northwestern. Maybe ending the... Uh, nearing the ending of the first half between Western Kentucky and Austin P. Joe, a couple of ACC teams in action, but really no lines available in the marketplace. Florida State and North Carolina, those two teams taking uh, having games tomorrow. UNC against Florida A&M, and I believe FSU against Duquesne. Am I correct in saying that? Right. Yep. Yep. And you're high. On Florida State, a six-and-a-half win total for the Knowles this year. The over has the juice, and you lean that way. Why are you high on Mike Norvell and company entering 2022? Well, well, another coach on the hot seat, right? If he doesn't get over six wins, he's not going to be in Tallahassee, and maybe you look to Deion Sanders taking over that position in a year or so. They have to get over six, six-and-a-half. They have to be at least seven and five or eight and four. That's where I picked them, eight and four. They ran the football much better, a buck 77 last year. They have not had a three. 300-yard passing game in 23 games since 2019 against Alabama State. I think that changes week one if you can get a passing total on Jordan Travis. Oh, yep. In this Duquesne game, I think they beat Duquesne by 60. Now, let's keep in mind they lost to Jacksonville State last year. They lost to Notre, Notre Dame week one. They lost to Florida, very close game, and they almost pushed Clemson toe-to-toe. They lost technically by three. They scored, Clemson did, on the last play of the game to win that by 10 points. So you'd cut all four of those games together and say if they pulled out two, they were a seven-win football team last year at 20-1. to I like Florida State to get over their number, more importantly, potentially be a 10-win ball club this year. It's interesting to compare Florida State and North Carolina. FSU in the Atlantic, UNC in the coastal of the ACC, but both a win total of six and a half. We'll have plenty more. Joe Lisi, myself, and Kevin Walsh tomorrow morning on College Football Today. It starts at 9 a.m. Eastern time. That does it for FFC. The Money Line is up next. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.